Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witz University in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, usually when we talk on the show, we discuss subjects of geopolitics, economics, immigration, racism, all these kind of very heavy kind of what we'll call nonfiction topics. And so it's really kind of exciting for me today to kind of shift gears and look at the China-Africa art scene. And we've seen over the past few years some kind of blossoming development, both from African artists and to some extent from Chinese artists. And one area in particular is film. Now, once or twice a year, we get uh, a filmmaker who comes along and does a short, and they do something kind of very improvisational oftentimes. Last year, or actually earlier this year, uh, a director from New York University, Quester Hanna, he came out with a short film about uh, African migrant life in Guangzhou. And so we're starting to see kind of the blossoming of this really new aspect of the China-Africa relationship in the arts. And Kobus, it just makes me so excited that we're going in this direction. Direction. Yeah, it's wonderful. As a as a media person, I'm I'm particularly excited about that, and also as you know, it, it just gives us such an in, an interesting view of China Africa relations because so frequently, what one th- what people think about each other, what Chinese people think of what Africans, what Africans think about Chinese people are things that that are done through opinion surveys and then put on graphs, you know, in in standard research, and through filmmaking, it becomes so much more alive. Yeah, and I think what you, you bring up a really interesting point here. It's that, you know, when we talk about the news and you talk about the discussions, it's so impersonal. It's dehumanized in many ways. And so when we see films like the one we're going to talk about today come out, it puts it into such a, a personal human way. And I think that's what's so exciting. So we're going to introduce everybody to Carl Houston McMillan. He is a young filmmaker out of Lesotho in southern Africa, that tiny little speck of a country surrounded by South Africa. Uh, he has come up with just really just one of the most, and I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words right now because it truly is a stunning piece of filmmaking. And it's called Laisuoto, which is Lesotho. Uh, it's about a 20-minute short. It's going to be, it's out a little bit on the internet. We're going to help kind of give it some legs as well. Carl wrote, direct, produced. Carl, what did you, you did it all, right? Uh, hi, yes, um, everything except shoot it. Um, my friend Christian Denzler, he, he, he shot it. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. It is an excellent piece of filmmaking. And again, what I thought was so powerful for me was the very personal nature of the story. So let me just quickly set up kind of the narrative and then let you get into it. You basically take, you have two parallel stories going at the same time. One is of a of an African doctor living in, or I'm assuming a Lesotho doctor living in uh, China. And then you also talk about a young Chinese man who lives in Lesotho. And what you're kind of dissecting is the interpersonal relationships between across the cultures and with the, the various characters in it. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to kind of make this film and, and kind of develop these characters. Um, well, I'm... I say I'm from Lesotho, but um, I'm originally I'm, I'm South African or of, of Irish descent. But uh, I've grown up my whole life in Lesotho, and uh, um, I often spend a lot of time in the mountains. I mean, even even now I'm phoning you from Harambavanta, which is in the centre of Lesotho. It's a small village, and um, uh, in these small um, sort of towns in Lesotho, Lesotho is very small, and they've got small towns with um, shops, and there's not often many shops, and um, there's a lot of Chinese immigrants in these shops, and there's a, it sort of 
caught my curiosity. I'm, I'm, I've always been a foreigner. I've, I've lived here, but every day people ask me where I'm from and what I'm doing here. And uh, that, that's what sparked the interest is going into these, um, these villages and you find one, one little shop and it's a, a Chinese immigrant and it sort of sparks my curiosity and, and is that, where's that, why did that person come to this little village in the middle of the mountains in this little country in this middle of South Africa that many South Africans don't even know much about? Um, I was very struck by how natural your actors were. Um, you know, they um, the the actor who you cast as the as the African doctor who works in in China. You know, kind of he speaks very realistic Chinese. Um, your you know, kind of the 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 actors just feel very natural in their environment. Like they they, they don't feel like actors; they feel like people. Um, so I was wondering how your casting worked in 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 this pro in this project. This is just a passion project. Um, uh, I had no budget, so I had to um, go on a, on, a, on a search for people. Um, the, so they're non-actors. There's a few actors in, in the film, but the majority are non-actors or first-time actors. And um, I, for casting in China, that was a bit difficult. I mean, um, basically, it's from asking around and using WeChat networks and that. And I did um, find someone who who was keen and... Um, he had lived in China for 10 years and um, he, he, he felt, felt that the topic was important and he, he wanted to give it a shot. And in Lesotho, the, that was my friend. I went to school with him. Um, he has a few businesses in Lesotho and um, it was his first time acting as well. So these actors kind of undertook this challenge to kind of, you know, represent the cultural tensions that exist between, say, Chinese and Lesotho culture and, you know, basically Chinese and African cultures. What do you think they brought to the story that you didn't include in your script? Well, maybe I can just talk about some how I, I, I found the story, um, the, the China half in, in particular. Um, I, I had gone to China um, to visit some friends who were studying there um, on scholarships from Chinese government, and I met a, a guy who who was from Sierra Leone and he was studying medicine and um, I stayed with him and um, we became friends and uh, I was really impressed at his, his ability and, um, to speak Mandarin and he was doing medicine in Mandarin and um, he's saying that he was going to find it very difficult um, in the workplace if he wanted to work in China um, even though he had the same qualification as his, 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 um, his classmates um, just being black was going to be more difficult in the workplace in China and I, I I thought that was um, really interesting, and um, I I shared this story with a lot of a lot of people, a lot of African students in China, and they thought it was um it was very important, and they had felt it. You know, it's not in your face um, um, racism, but it exists, and um, they all wanted something to be said about it, but didn't know how. So um, when I when I approached um, Said, who's actually from Tanzania. Um, he felt it was very important, and he he wanted to um, give it a shot and try act in it. And how did you deal with the language issue? Like in you know a, a lot of the a lot of the lines in the the film are either in um, Sisutu or in in Chinese, um, and people switch very effectively between the you know different languages you know kind of as they do frequently in Africa. Um, so you know kind of did did you write in English and have your actors translate, or, or how did that work? I co-directed with um, 
uh, a Chinese director, and um, he he helped on that on that side with the language. Um, I only know basic Mandarin just to just survival. Um, Susutu, I also only know basic survival Susutu. So I also worked with my Chinese teacher here, who is a Mosutu himself, who teaches me Mandarin, and um, he helped um, with the translation into Susutu from English. So I wrote in English, and I got people to translate. So for those of our listeners who haven't seen it in the show, in the movie, um, the short film is available on our website. We're posting it on the Huffington Post and our story there, and we're posting it anywhere. The podcast you'll see other than in iTunes will accompany a link to it so you can watch it. And it really, it's just, again, it's stunning filmmaking, particularly from just a passion perspective, a shoestring budget, bootstrapping the whole thing. It's even more impressive. You know, I, I, you talked about the tensions, and that's clearly what the, the focus of the film is between the Chinese and African cultures and Lesotho culture in this case. And you have a narrative arc. So you begin your film by kind of highlighting how these two cultures are abrasive to one another, how they don't really click. And then through kind of interaction, whether it's the doctor caring for the old woman or whether it's the you know, the, the Chinese shop owner who takes a liking to the son and then, you know, helps with pay for, for schools. Um, by the end of the film, there's some hope that, you know, maybe these two cultures are getting along and do have potential. And I'm wondering how that mirrors your own experiences in the Sutu. Do you see that similar narrative arc that over time, as people get to know each other, as languages are spoken, as there are mutual bonds, that they're becoming closer? Or... Have we not yet seen the end of the story in real life in places like Lesotho? I, I feel language is the biggest barrier, um, especially when you, you come and open up a business in a village. You know, um, people want want um, have a lot of questions: who you are, what's your story, where you're from, and they don't get those answers. And when you don't get those answers and you can't communicate, um, tension arises, and people make up their own stories. And there's a lot of friction and tension. When you go into these shops, you you hear an exchange of um, broken susutu, and it's a lot. It's really rude, and a lot of swear words on both sides thrown back and forth. And um, there's just unanswered questions of um, these immigrants and who they are and where they're from. And I feel that media media can help if we see on Lesotho TV, we see stories, fictional stories, you know, about Im- Chinese immigrants in Lesotho and what they're doing. And um, on the other side, in China, if we see um, TV shows, TV dramas about Chinese immigrants doing projects in Africa and um, even use comedy and use humor, I-, I feel that that would help because it's it's very difficult to um, see Chinese TV shows here, and of course in China to see, um, yeah, other other outside sort of um, content, video content, especially online. Cobus Carl talks. I think media about, can help. Yeah. yeah, Carl talks about a very interesting point here about media kind of playing a role, and you know, Cobus, I'd like to get as a media scholar your take on this because. You know, for those of us who either live in the West or kind of live with Western social media and Western media, as I do, um, you know, when when we the discussion about immigrants today, particularly in Europe and the United States, is entirely negative. It's dominated by you know xenophobia and anti-immigrant sentiment in Europe, Europe, you know, and certainly in places like Germany. Uh, and also in the United States, where Donald Trump has kind of based a lot of his campaign on an anti-immigrant message. And so seeing Carl's film for me was, you know, refreshing because it, it did kind of reflect a different side of the story. And I'd be interested in your take on kind of where we are now in the, 
the media landscape in terms of you know immigrants and the role that they play in media, and then placing Carl's film in that context. It's a, it's a complicated question. Um, immigrants in, in South Africa frequently get very negative press. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, insinuations about immigrants being linked to crime. Um, there's not not very kind of effective integration of immigrants into South African culture frequently. So there, there's a tendency for people to to be in in enclaves um, simply because South Africa is also a society of enclaves. Um, so you know, so so I, I think. I think we're coming from a from not a very very exalted place but, in, in media but, but in media depictions fair, of immigrants. But to be fair, Cobus, that is really the same as that's what Donald Trump is saying. That's what the the far right in Europe is saying. I mean, and that's the problem in Europe is the ghettoization of of immigrants. And and I guess Carl, you know, the story that you're telling here with Chinese in in Lesotho and Lesothoans in in China in many ways seems to be a universal story. Kobus kind of talked about the ghettoization, the kind of, you know, in many ways, the criminalization of, of immigrants on media, in media. And yet you're bringing this very human story to life. And I'm, guess, I'm wondering if you think of the story that you have portrayed and, and brought to life in, in film is a universal story, or do you see something specific about the Chinese and African characters in the movie? No, I'm well. I'm still exploring. Um, it was a bit of a, a bit of an experiment. This film just just to show like um, two sides of the same coin. Um, uh, I just feel like media or well, entertainment. If if you use entertainment um, as to sort of answer these questions, because there's a lot of curiosity with Basutu um, of China, and there's a lot of curiosity within China of Africa, and if you don't feed that curiosity, then um, there's a block and, and, and tensions arise, but if you feed it with entertainment, then I know there's a lot of soft power relations, but even the CCTV is shown on LTV, but it's just news, and it's boring, and no one really is interested, and there needs to be entertaining drama series, I, I, I feel. That would help. One of the great things that you that you kind of added a great detail that you added in the film is the fact that everyone is watching kung fu movies, um, which is something that yeah. I have done a, a, yeah. a bunch of research on, and I have a, I have a, a paper coming out about this very soon. Um, and you know, so, so it was just very gratifying for me to see you kind of like you know kind of name checking that because I do think the kung fu film really has created this very interesting space in Africa for thinking about China, this kind of fantasy China, you know, kind of that that that, is, that played a very yeah. kind of powerful role in different parts of, of African history. And and I think it, it like it is actually an example of a kind of a media that opens up a space for for discussion between China and Africa. Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah, all kids if they don't know anything about China, they'll know Kung Fu and they'll know how to imitate some moves they've seen on, on films. Yeah. <laughs> What were your biggest <laughs> challenges uh, producing this film, both in Lesotho and in China? It, the whole whole process was a challenge. I was on my own, and I just had, a, had an idea, and I wanted to make it into something to be experienced. I'm 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 quite um, tired of it now. It's been a whole year. The whole process. I mean, the shoot days were only six days, but um, a whole year of coming up with this with the story. Um, I'm visiting China, trying to. Yeah, trying to find an isolated spot on the Great Wall and 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 traveling and getting lost in buses and and, and public transport and everything was quite a challenge finding the cast. Um, Sutu was a bit easier because it's home home turf. Yeah, it's it, it is challenging filmmaking, um, especially when you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
Yeah, you know, it's a rewarding process. Yeah. yeah, I can see. And you deserve the credit. Cobus, I, I feel like, you know, we try hard to be kind of, you know, impartial and kind of neutral and fair. But I think we've been we've a little too gushing in this case here because I just it's a <laughs> stunning piece of art. And, and I really hope that everybody has a chance to look at it. I guess, Cobus, for me, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, Carl, you're, you're probably not going to devote his life now to China-Africa filmmaking. I suspect that this was a, a nice passion project and time to move on to other, you know, exciting topics out there. But I'm hoping that we'll start to see reflections of, you know, the China-Africa experience in photography and painting and poetry and filmmaking, and that really we're just at the beginning of a renaissance. In some ways, too, I've been thinking about this, Kobus, that all the different people that you and I have spoken to who are creating this art tend to be under 30 years old. And I think that's fascinating to me. I haven't seen older people kind of really getting into the creative artistic space of this relationship. And I wonder if that's just because that younger people are being able to look at the relationship in a totally open way or less binary way framed by kind of colonialism and a, an education in the, in the pre-Cold, in the Cold War kind of style. Yeah, I think so. The um, you know, I would also add that that young people frequently are uh, more they they have more flexibility, and they all they also have technological flexibility. Obviously, you know, so they find. Um, like Calder, they find ways of of making it making it happen on a, on a small budget. Um, I just have to also say that Carl, I, I thought the movie was really well shot. It looks beautiful, um, which which is frequently the hardest. That and good sound is the hardest things to achieve on on a small budget. And and I thought both were were really really great. Um, can you talk a little bit about about just how you shot it? Like you kind of just you know kind of like what what kind of physical. Uh, you know, physical um, ways of, of of shooting and lighting and so on you use to actually get that that look. Um, well, um, my good friend Christian Denslow, he's a director of photography. He he shot it. Um, he shot it on just a very small camera. Um, uh, we bought some lights in in we were in Beijing. We actually shot in Beijing, and we bought some lights there. We even found some gels, um, and uh, we found it. A, a bit of crew um, through meeting people, and um, but there was a lot of restrictions. Um, also, shooting in the streets. The lady was concerned about authorities coming along, and um, uh, <laughs> and uh, also the interior location it was hard to find the interior location. So, um, but uh, it was very small, low key. Um, we found a sound designer in Beijing, and um, it was very small, very small. And what's next for you in the sh in the film? Are you going to kind of submit it to film festivals? Do you want people to see it? Are you putting it up on Chinese social networks? What's your plan for for Lesotho? Yeah, I would like to just get it out there and on, on online and um, get people's responses. Um, also, get it on on Yoku. Um, it's under review right now. I've uploaded it. I don't know what's taking so long. And um, yeah, just get it out there on blogs and see if there's any discussion. It was a bit of an experiment, and it's. It's nice to just make it into something for people to experience. Well, we're certainly going to do our part by sharing the film as far as we possibly can. Lesotho is the 21-minute uh, film, fictional film, actually. Beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Uh, just really all around, probably the most impressive piece of filmmaking that in almost 10 years of studying this field that we've seen. And uh, Carl Houston McMillan is the filmmaker. He's the director. Uh, the writer, and he put it together. And just congratulations, Carl, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. 
Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And Kobus, uh, we will post the film up again, and uh, we'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. For Kobus van Staden, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show or follow China Africa News that's updated every four hours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Kobus at Stadenesk or Eric at Eolander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. Subscribe to the China Africa podcast on iTunes or download the mobile apps for iOS, Android, or Windows Phone. Just head over to your favorite store and search for China Africa. China Africa.